chapter twenty one of the garys and their friends by frank webb this librivox recording is in the public domain more horrors unaware of the impending danger mr gary sat watching by the bedside of his wife she had been quite ill but on the evening of which we write although nervous and wakeful was much better the bleak winds of the fast approaching winter dealt unkindly with her delicate frame accustomed as she was to the soft breezes of her southern home mr gary had been sitting up looking at the fires in the lower part of the city not having been out all that day or the one previous he knew nothing of the fearful state into which matters had fallen those lights are dying away my dear said he to his wife there must have been quite an extensive conflagration taking out his watch he continued almost two o'clock why how late i've been sitting up i really don't know whether it's worth while to go to bed or not i should be obliged to get up again at five o'clock i go to new york to-morrow or rather to-day there are some matters connected with uncle john's will that require my personal attention dear old man how suddenly he died i wish dear you could put off your journey until i am better said mrs gary faintly i do hate you to go just now i would if i could emily but it is impossible i shall be back to-morrow or the next day at farthest whilst i'm there i'll hush interrupted mrs gary stop a moment don't you hear a noise like the shouting of a great many people oh it's only the firemen replied he as i was about to observe hush cried she again listen now that don't sound like the firemen in the least mr gary paused as the sound of a number of voices became more distinct wrapping his dressing-gown more closely about him he walked into the front room which overlooked the street opening the window he saw a number of men some bearing torches coming rapidly in the direction of his dwelling i wonder what all this is for what can it mean he exclaimed they had now approached sufficiently near for him to understand their cries down with the abolitionist down with the amalgamationist give them tar and feathers it's a mob and that word amalgamationist can it be pointed at me it hardly seems possible and yet i have a fear that there is something wrong what is it gary what is the matter asked his wife who with a shawl hastily thrown across her shoulders was standing pale and trembling by the window go in emily my dear for heaven's sake you'll get your death of cold in this bleak night air go in as soon as i discover the occasion of the disturbance i'll come and tell you pray go in mrs gary retired a few feet from the window and stood listening to the shouts in the street the rioters led on evidently by some one who knew what he was about pressed forward to mr gary's house and soon the garden in front was filled with a shouting crowd what do you all want why are you on my premises creating this disturbance 
cried mr garry come down and you'll soon find out you white-livered abolitionists come out damn you we are going to give you a coat of tar and feathers and your black wench nine and thirty yes come down come down shouted several or we will come up after you i warn you replied mr garry against any attempt at violence upon my person family or property i forbid you to advance another foot upon the premises if any man of you enters my house i'll shoot him down as quick as i would a mad dog shut up your gap none of your cussed speeches said a voice in the crowd if you don't come down and give yourself up we'll come in and take you that's the talk ain't it boys a general shout of approval answered his speech and several stones were thrown at mr garry one of which struck him on the breast seeing the utter futility of attempting to parley with the infuriated wretches below he ran into the room exclaiming put on some clothes emily shoes first quick quick wife your life depends upon it i'll bring down the children and wake the servants we must escape from the house we are attacked by a mob of demons hurry emily do for god's sake mr garry aroused the sleeping children and threw some clothes upon them over which he wrapped shawls or blankets or whatever came to hand rushing into the next room he snatched a pair of loaded pistols from the drawer of his dressing-stand and then hurried his terrified wife and children down the stairs this way dear this way he cried leading on toward the back door out that way through the gate with the children and into some of the neighbors houses i'll stand here to keep the way no no garry she replied frantically i won't go without you you must he cried stamping his foot impatiently this is no time to parley go or we shall all be murdered listen they've broken in the door quick quick go on and as he spoke he pressed her and the children out of the door and closed it behind them mrs garry ran down the garden followed by the children to her horror she found the gate locked and the key nowhere to be found what shall we do she cried oh we shall all be killed and her limbs trembled beneath her with cold and terror let us hide in here mother suggested clarence running toward the wood-house we'll be safe in there seeing that nothing better could be done mrs garry availed herself of the suggestion and when she was fairly inside the place fell fainting upon the ground as she escaped through the back door the mob broke in at the front and were confronting mr garry as he stood with his pistol pointing at them prepared to fire come another step forward and i fire exclaimed he resolutely but those in the rear urged the advance of those in front who approached cautiously nearer and nearer their victim fearful of opening the door behind him lest he should show the way taken by his retreating wife he stood uncertain how to act a severe blow from a stone however made him lose all reflection and he immediately fired a loud shriek followed the report of his pistol and a shower of stones was immediately hurled upon him he quickly fired again and was endeavouring to open the door to effect his escape when a pistol was discharged close to his head and he fell forward on the entry floor lifeless all this transpired in a few moments and in the semi-darkness of the entry rushing forward over his lifeless form the villains hastened upstairs in search of mrs garry they ran shouting through the house stealing everything valuable that they could lay their hands upon and wantonly destroying the furniture they would have fired the house but were prevented by mr mccloskey who acted as leader of the gang for two long hours they ransacked the house breaking all they could not carry off drinking the wine in mr garry's cellar and shouting and screaming like so many fiends mrs garry and the children lay crouching with terror 
in the wood-house listening to the ruffians as they went through the yard cursing her and her husband and uttering the direst threats of what they would do should she fall into their hands once she almost fainted on hearing one of them propose opening the wood-house to see if there was anything of value in it but breathed again when they abandoned it as not worth their attention the children crouched down beside her scarcely daring to whisper lest they should attract the attention of their persecutors shivering with cold they drew closer around them the blanket with which they had been providentially provided brother my feet are so cold sobbed little em i can't feel my toes oh i'm so cold put your feet closer to me sissy answered her brother bearing himself to enwrap her more thoroughly put my stockings on over yours and as well as they were able in the dark he drew his stockings on over her benumbed feet there sis that's better he whispered with an attempt at cheerfulness now you'll be warmer just then clarence heard a groan from his mother so loud indeed that it would have been heard without but for the noise and excitement around the house and feeling for her in the dark he asked mother are you worse are you sick a groan was her only answer mother mother he whispered do speak please do and he endeavoured to put his arm around her don't dear don't said she faintly just take care of your sister you can't do me any good don't speak dear the men will hear you reluctantly the frightened child turned his attention again to his little sister ever and anon suppressed groans from his mother would reach his ears at last he heard a groan even fierce in its intensity and then the sounds grew fainter and fainter until they entirely ceased the night to the poor shivering creatures in their hiding-place seemed interminably long and the sound of voices in the house had not long ceased when the faint light of day pierced their cheerless shelter hearing the voices of some neighbours in the yard clarence hastened out and seizing one of the ladies by the dress cried imploringly do come to my mother she's sick why where did you come from child said the lady with a start of astonishment where have you been in there he answered pointing to the wood-house mother and sister are in there the lady accompanied by one or two others hastened to the wood-house where is she asked the foremost for in the gloom of the place she could not perceive anything here replied clarence she's lying here on opening a small window they saw mrs gary lying in a corner stretched upon the boards her head supported by some blocks she's asleep said clarence mother mother but there came no answer mother said he still louder but yet there was no response stepping forward one of the females opened the shawl which was held firmly in the clenched hands of mrs gary and there in her lap partially covered by her scanty night-dress was discovered a new-born babe who with its mother had journeyed in the darkness cold in night to the better land that they might pour out their woes upon the bosom of their creator the women gazed in mournful silence on the touching scene before them clarence was on his knees regarding with fear and wonder the unnatural stillness of his mother the child had never before looked on death and could not recognize its presence laying his hand on her cold cheek he cried with faltering voice mother can't you speak but there was no answering light in the fixed stare of those glassy eyes and the lips of the dead could not move why don't she speak he asked she can't my dear you must come away and leave her she's better off my darling she's dead then there was a cry of grief sprung up from the heart of that orphan boy that rang in those women's ears for long years after it was the first outbreak of a loving childish heart pierced with life's bitterest grief a mother's loss the two children were kindly taken into the house of some benevolent neighbour as the servants had all fled none knew whither 
little m was in a profound stupor the result of cold and terror and it was found necessary to place her under the care of a physician after they had all gone an inquest was held by the coroner and a very unsatisfactory and untruthful verdict pronounced one that did not at all coincide with the circumstances of the case but such a one as might have been expected where there was a great desire to screen the affair from public scrutiny End of chapter twenty one